we walk through Psalm 95 together. O come, let us sing to the Lord, let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, the heights of the mountains are his also. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. Do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on the day at Massah in the wilderness. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Lord be with you. Let us pray. O God, whose glory it is always to have mercy, be gracious to all who have gone astray from your ways, and bring them again with penitent hearts and steadfast faith to embrace and hold fast the unchangeable truth of your word through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our Old Testament reading from Exodus in the 17th chapter. All the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of sin by stages, according to the commandment of the Lord, and camped at Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore the people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water, and the people grumbled against Moses and said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt? To kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried to the Lord, What shall I do with these people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Pass on before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did so, in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the name of the place Massah and Meribah, because of the quarreling of the people of Israel, and because they tested the Lord by saying, Is the Lord among us or not? This is the word of the Lord. Our epistle reading from the letter to the Romans the fifth chapter. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, 
And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God showed his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is the word of the Lord. And I invite you to rise and honor the gospel. From John's gospel in the fourth chapter. So he, Jesus, came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, And who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well, drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you're right in saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. And the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. This is the gospel of our Lord. You may be seated. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, 
Once again, you have brought us into your presence. We pray that you remove distractions from our hearts and minds by your spirit. That in all the ways that we may feel separated from you because of anything in life, we pray that you would point our eyes to Christ who came into the middle of that. Bring us back into your presence, your grace, and your mercy, and your love for us in him. In Jesus' name, amen. As we've been walking through these Lenten Sundays, we've seen Jesus encountering different situations. Right? Last week, we saw Jesus sitting with Nicodemus, and we saw how it looked for Jesus to encounter pride, how it looked for him to sit with a prominent figure within the society, a prominent figure within the social status of things who was very well respected, very well honored, yet had these questions that he was trying to wrap his head around. And this week we see almost the exact opposite side of the spectrum. We went from a teacher of the law to a shamed Samaritan woman walking out in the heat of the day because she couldn't go when everybody else was going to the well. There was too much talk, there was too much gossip, there was too much judgment, there was too many things going on, and so she was secluded and singled out and would walk where she wouldn't have to interact with anybody. And so we see Jesus stepping into a moment of encountering shame. And we don't often think in terms of shame quite a lot. We've started to a little bit more as we hear of social shaming on social media or other things like that. But really, we, we focus in more in our culture on guilt and innocence. Who is it that's guilty and done something wrong? What is the consequence? How are they restored back to society if they are or not? But we think of guilty and we think of uh, asking uh, you know, for mm, forgiveness, sort of. Really, we just want to call people out and what they've done wrong and leave it at that. It's pretty terrible, actually. But see, there's a, a whole other mindset, like I said, that we don't normally think on, and it's shame. You see, guilt is something that you feel internally for something you've done wrong, and you might have to suffer a consequence for it, but that guilt remains within you. Your guilt doesn't make somebody else guilty. Shame's quite different. Shame is that feeling, it's the pit in your stomach when you feel like there's no safe haven for you to run to, when you feel like there is no place out there that you can actually escape to because what you've done has now separated you from some esteemed, uh, looked up to social status that you have not lived up to. And not only does it affect you, but now it affects those who are closest to you. Maybe this action you've done has brought shame on your family name. Maybe this action that you've done has brought shame in your presence in the middle of a community that you love and trust, and now all of a sudden they're being judged by others because of your action. The guilt remains internal. Shame starts to move externally, where your actions start to affect the ones who are closest to you. And now all of that does is weigh upon you even more, and more often than not, those who are living in shame feel like they have absolutely nowhere to go, and so they turn into themselves, and we start to see depression. We start to see um, seclusion. We start to see someone separating themselves in hopes of not affecting their loved one. Sometimes it's the families that push them out. 
I mean, look at the cultures of the world where, uh, say, a daughter is caught, um, I don't know, having relationships with a guy before she should, or dresses in a way that isn't appropriate. In a lot of those cultures, the fathers have every right to disown that child. Think through the cultures where someone may profess Christianity, and that's not the cultural standard. They are disowned by not only their family, but sometimes their country. They have no citizenship status anymore. Sometimes it happens in cultures where you can't be fertile. Shame. These things weigh on us in ways that we don't really think on all that much, and we may not put words to it, but I can guarantee you at some point in your life you've felt that. You've felt like you've had to be separated from whoever it is that's around you so that whatever you've done wouldn't affect them. I mean, man, look at Judas after the Garden of Gethsemane. You want to see shame weighing upon someone. After he hands over Jesus and then runs to the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin and tries to throw the money back that they gave him, and then he goes and takes his life not taking away the bad stuff that he did and betraying Christ, but it's also a moment where you get to see shame weighing upon somebody. So what's going on in this one, in this gospel text that we have, where Jesus encounters shame? As he's been traveling along with the disciples, they come out of Jerusalem into the town of Samaria. Remember, the Jews and the Samaritans really didn't get along all that much and all that well. They had actually separate worship places, as she mentions in this text. There was a hill in Samaria that the Samaritans would worship at, and then there was the temple in Jerusalem that the Jews would worship at, and you had a separation. The Samaritans were considered to be half-Jews, dirty Jews, ones that you wouldn't do business with, ones that you wouldn't have any encounters with. And so as Jesus and the disciples are walking along, they take this route through Samaria in the middle of the day, in the heat of the day, and he stops because he's thirsty. Aren't those beautiful moments? You get to see that little beautiful humanity of Christ, right? So he stops, thirsty, waiting to be cared for, waiting for someone to come to him. Now, that's not the normal time of day for someone, especially the women of the town, to come and get water? Why would you go in the middle of the day when your family needed it earlier? Why would you go when it was hottest, when you could go earlier or later and provide for the family while they were around, while you were preparing, while you're doing all these other things, while you got to see your friends? See, going in the middle of the day, as it said, the sixth hour, so likely noon, that's that moment where maybe everybody else is gone. Maybe I won't have to talk to anybody. Maybe I won't have to lock eyes with anybody. Maybe I won't have to hear the judging words. Maybe I won't have to deal with anybody else. I can just get in, get out, and go home. But Jesus is sitting there. He says, hey, I'm thirsty. It's okay. Why are you talking to me? There's no reason you should be talking to me, Jesus. You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. There's shame right there. I've done stuff that you don't know about. That's why I'm here by myself. That's another reason you shouldn't be talking to me. I'm by myself as a woman. You're here by yourself as a man, and I don't know you. You shouldn't be talking to me. There's no reason why you should be coming to me to look 
for anything, Jesus. You don't know me, and you don't know what I've done. Leave me alone. There's no thing that I can do for you. Go away. In fact, let me run away would probably be a better way to look at it. And I love his response. Oh, lady, if you knew who it was that was talking to you, oh, you'd be asking me for a drink. Can you imagine that? Jesus walking up and saying, hey, you want to go get a drink? That'd be nice. (laughs) But in that moment where he encounters shame, first off, he doesn't discount what she's gone through. In fact, he calls her out on it and says, you know what? Since you're so excited about who you're talking to now, and since I've let out a little bit of the information here, why don't you go call your husband and come back? He says, that's that's the trick. Um, I don't have one. He goes, oh, you're right. In fact, you've had five. And the guy you're with now isn't him. That was a shameful thing in that culture. It wasn't right. Everybody looked down upon it. And so she says, okay, you're a prophet. I get it. You can tell me things about myself. Wonderful. So now, since you're a Jew and you worship over there and we're worshiping over here, who's the right God? Who's the one that brings honor? Who's the one that's going to speak into this situation? Because there's obviously shame that's going on, and I'm wondering what you're going to do about it. And as he walks into the middle of that shame, he starts to turn the story around. He starts to provide hope. You see, he gets her to a point where she says, look, I'm looking for the Messiah. Same thing Nicodemus was looking for also. She says, look, I'm looking for the Messiah. I'm looking for the one who's going to come into the middle of this and bring honor. I'm looking for the one who's going to put me back into a family. I'm looking for the one that's going to reconnect me with all of the things that I love and have lost because of the things that I've done. I'm looking for the one that's going to bring connection back between me and God, between my people and God, between me and my people. I'm looking for the one who's going to bring honor into the midst of my shame. And if there's any, ever anybody that comes to you and says, Jesus never claimed to be the Christ or never claimed to be God. Remember these verses in John. He says, the one of who you speak, it's me. I'm here. Here I am, the Messiah, the Savior, the one who has come to make things right between you and God, the one who has come to bring peace between you and the Father, the one who has come to bring honor in the midst of your sinfulness and in the midst of your shame and in the midst of everything that's broken, here I am. And if you follow along in the verses and keep reading, that's exactly what he does for her in the middle of that community. If you follow along and continue to read, you see that he sends her back into the town and she runs back and says, I've found the Messiah. Here he is. Come and hear his words. He knew everything about me. I'm not hiding anything. And here he is. You see, he gave her his word. He gave her his honor. He restores her as the one who got to speak to the community about the Savior, Jesus Christ, the one who got to bring his word and his honor into the middle of a place of people that would not have listened to her otherwise at all. And as they come back and they see who he is, the whole group of people start to rejoice that the Messiah had come to them. 
There's moments in life when you are going to walk through shame. There's moments in life where things may have happened way in the past, and Satan will bring your eyes and focus it upon those things and make you feel as one that needs to be separated from everybody and let that shame weigh on your heart and on your mind and try and keep you focused on something other than Jesus. In the middle of those moments that Jesus walks right in, sits with you in the middle of the shame, and he sits down and he says, hey, you want to get a drink? Um, I've got a living water to drink. I've got a word for you that you need to hear. I've got a word for you to remind you of the fact that you've been baptized in my word, that you have living water welling up within you, something that's going to bring you life and not separate you from others, but something that's going to give you life again, that is going to lift you up. And in all of that, you have my promise that I have given you honor. I've taken your shame, buried it with your sins in the tomb, and I've risen again to hand you honor, the honorable title as the son and daughter of the Most High the honorable title of God's beloved, the one who nothing can strip that title from you. Satan can't strip that title from you. Your sins can't strip that title from you. God has declared you beloved, honored, forgiven on account of Christ who has walked into your shame and made you honorable. Amen. You pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we pray that you would keep our eyes focused on the honor which you have given us in Christ and that we would have hearts full of thankfulness and joy, knowing that you have restored us into the family, that you have brought us together out of shame and into honor, that you have given us your reputation. We pray that you would give us your grace each day as our eyes get turned away from that, that you would focus us back in and all that you have done for us in Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. I invite you to rise as you are able.